Hey everybody, this is an episode that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Christopher then went on his vacation out to Arizona and forgot to send me the audio before he left, so we're a little bit late getting it up, but uh, enjoy this uh, found ancient footage of Enthusiastic Witter. Welcome back to Enthusiastic Witter. In this episode, we answer our very first listener email, and we talk about our projects that we've been working on, which includes crossbows and metalworking. So, I was thinking we could start off this episode with some (gasps) mail that we've received. (gasps) We got fan mail? Yeah, I had to practically beat it out of him. But our good (laughs) friend Isaac, who helped out with the theme music, actually sent us a bit of fan mail. And unfortunately, due to the fact that we're a little bit ahead slash behind in our recording, it's uh, just going to be a tad bit old, I guess. He's referring to episode um, what would that be, 14, that we did about the social dilemma? Ah, yes. So, here we go. Hi, guys. Hope you are doing well. I wanted to mention that I really enjoyed your recent episode, The Social Dilemma. It's my favorite episode so far. Wow. And such a fascinating topic. I'm thrilled to see a part two and can't wait to listen. Well, good news, Isaac. We just released that. And actually, I just got a message from him today about uh, after he listened to episode two. So, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, additionally, I have two questions for you guys. So here's some questions we can discuss, because I told him we're always looking for, for questions and stuff. So first question, what inspired us to get into podcasting? Ooh, well, okay. Isaac, if you'd go back and listen to episode one. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, don't. don't, don't, don't that's a mistake. You don't want to go there. Yeah, don't go there. It's a dark place. Yeah, don't, please. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm I'm actually glad to see that he hasn't gone there. Oh, that's good. It's uh, Me it, too. Was, uh it, was, it was pretty rocky getting started. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, second, if you received an invitation to Howard, ah, excuse me, Harvard, what would you major in, or would you even accept an invitation? Both questions are for each of you. Wow. Thanks for answering my questions. Keep up the great work. Regards, Isaac H. So first of all, thanks for sending us a letter, Isaac. Yes. And. What inspired us to get into podcasting? Well, what it, it was a whole combination of things mm-hmm. that we described in our first episode, which, again, don't go listen to it, but um, it was mostly that we're always involved in different, what we think are interesting hobbies mm-hmm. and projects, and we try to go and find, like, videos and stuff about these projects and sometimes they're few and far between and we ended up having to do a lot of research for our projects Uh so it kind of is the podcast that we wish existed five years ago that we could have listened to and gotten excited about the things that we're into now Uh Uh, it's a podcast that younger younger versions of us wish had existed yes and I figured there's probably at least two people out there that would be interested in hearing this stuff. And so far, I've been correct because my grandma listens every week. And oh, yeah. Isaac listens now. So, you know, we got we got regular listeners. According to our stats, we actually have a couple more people on that listening. Um, That's good. I'm We're making up. progress. Yeah. I think we might have gone down a couple of listeners, actually, since last time I looked. But, uh. yeah, you know. Anyway, we just figured it was it's just a, a fun place to kind of record our adventures it'll be fun for us to look back on them when we're Mm -hmm. old and gray uh when we're working on building our own spaceships or whatever it is we have progressed to by then yes and surely we will uh, all have our personal spaceships yeah when we want to listen look back and listen to this yeah i think it'll be at the point where the the maker community the the people who who can actually make their own stuff and diy community will actually be building their own spaceships but i don't think that they'll be quite public yeah uh yet or or they'll be available to the public at that point so what a time to be alive yeah um and then it's just an opportunity for christopher and i to get together every week and talk about our top our projects because uh i draw a lot of inspiration from what christopher has been working on lately and the ideas he has in, in 
progressing the ideas I've been working on. Mm-hmm. And I think you feel pretty much the same way. Uh, as we've established, we live in two completely different states. So <laughs> yes. It's always great to get together. So that's my explanation as to how we started podcasting. If it had been up to me, we'd have started like three years ago, but it took a while to get Christopher on board. Yeah, you know, it. it's it's not, it, you know, putting putting myself out there, like I've I've wanted to do things like make YouTube videos before and produce content for the internet. Cause like I kind of, uh, you know, we, we've watched a lot of different YouTube channels. We share a lot of the same, uh, subscriptions and, you know, watching people produce content and, uh, also listening to podcasts. We listen to a lot of the same podcasts that we, uh, has inspired us as well. in, in starting our own and, for me, at least, when I when I hear other people producing a podcast or I, or I see someone else producing YouTube videos, it just gives me this urge to be like, well, I can do that, too, about, like, my own things. Like, I can make a YouTube video about one of my own projects I'm working on, or uh, I can make a podcast with my friend about that. And it's just, it kind of gives me that urge. And so we finally start doing it. And I will also say another reason is... Uh, so my dad, uh, this is back when we lived uh, in the same state together. Uh, my dad would listen to us sometimes uh, if we were riding in the vehicle together. And he would just listen to us talking back and forth. And he made us a comment one time saying that we should start a podcast. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's it been years since then. It took us a while. But here we are. We finally started one. Yeah. Um, I think you guys were actually living in Missouri at that point. You had been up, you'd come up for a visit, I think. Um, but yeah, I remember we were probably arguing about something photography related that neither of us knew a terrible <laughs> lot about, but each of us had opinions on how it worked uh, um, yes. or how it should be done correctly. I mean, we probably had kind of the, the science behind it, but then uh, how do you apply it artistically? Let's call that, that was not arguing, that was wittering back then. We just didn't know it yet. <laughs> well, it, yeah, I don't think it fits into the definition of wittering. But that's something we should explain now that we actually have some listeners. So the word witter is something that I've heard the Brits use a lot from some British YouTube channels that I watch. And it just means nonsensical chatter, which we figure to a lot of people that's probably what we talk about sounds like. And uh, if people ever accuse us of not uh, putting any substance to our content we can be like hey it's right there in the main in the name you know it's like that's like our terms and conditions we just have it right there in the title (laughs) hidden away there yep (laughs) just full disclosure to anybody who wants to listen we may not be talking about anything very intelligently but we're at least enthusiastic about it that's all that counts yep yeah being enthusiastic about a thing is uh is most of it i mean how often have you wanted to buy a product just because the person trying to sell it was super enthusiastic about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matters a lot. <laughs> so you mentioned your online presence uh, or wanting to put yourself out there online. That's something I've thought a lot about, too. Just like how much of my personal life do I want to actually throw out there on the Internet for anybody to find? Like what happens if I run for president someday and they pull up uh, an old podcast episode where I mentioned that I don't like this or that particular kind of vegetable or something like that and it gets <laughs> turned into some giant scandal and then, and then I can't get elected because everybody's overreacted to something that I said in the past about something that's completely unrelated. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I wouldn't necessarily say maybe I phrased that a little poorly not necessarily wanting to have an online presence, but like, it's just when I see other people doing things that I think I could do, and I think it would be fun to do that. It's like, I want to do that as well. And so it's not even like, I don't, I'm not like a big social media user. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) you would know if you listened to the previous episode or two (laughs) episodes ago now, two or three. Uh, But you know, so it's not so much as like having like a, a big following and having a uh, a fan a big fan base on on a social media platform or something, but it's about like I think I could provide some benefit, maybe show people how I did something from uh, researching on my own, and yeah. it's kind of what we do in this podcast too. We research stuff and then talk about talk about our projects. Well, I wouldn't say we <laughs> research stuff. <laughs> We usually watch a video about it, and then we get on and share our opinions about it. 
But that's what mostly everybody does, right? Pretty much. Um, there is a topic coming up that I would kind of like to research a little bit, and that was something we kind of threw around for ideas in the beginning, is picking a topic and then actually going off and doing some real research on it and then coming back with our findings. So I won't share that idea just in case it doesn't happen, because that way nobody gets let down when it never comes out, and I don't feel obligated to put that episode out, but sometime in the future I would like to do a a well-researched episode. So a couple weeks ago I looked at our estimated audience size and it said 11 which I thought was kind of crazy. Wow. And then the last time I looked, it said eight. And now we're down to six. Oh, no. So (laughs) I think we're heading in the wrong direction. (laughs) What have we done? I think it's probably people who uh, just did a a pity subscribe, maybe, when I was just like, hey, Uh, on Facebook, I've got this podcast. If you're interested in joining them, they probably subscribed, and then they went through and unsubscribed later. That's my guess is what happened. But, hey, we've got our dedicated listeners. That's all that matters. There, There are Tube fans now. So I want to just throw out there for anybody who's listening, at the beginning of the episode, if you want to write us an email, it's enthusiasticwitter at gmail.com. You could jump on the bandwagon with Isaac and uh, and get your uh, letter right on the mic. Le- your letter right on the air. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. So Isaac also Facebook messaged me. Wait, wasn't there another question? Oh, yeah, there was. Why don't you go ahead and answer that while I find this? Uh, I don't remember the question. I apologize. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, while we're still dealing with uh, letters, let me read this out real quick. So, um, Let's see here. Listening to episode 15 this morning, about a half an hour in. Uh, he says he really enjoyed how we opened the episode with a joke, which I don't remember doing, and I doubt that it was very good, but I'm glad that you... Oh, I'm sure it was amazing. It, Isaac. um he really appreciated our guests knowledge and points uh he was only halfway through at the time that he sent the email so he said uh so far Mm -hmm. um he said especially the bit on ai relating to actual intelligence so somebody got some value out of our last episode so that's pretty cool hey that's great yeah yeah all right so back to isaac's question which you could pull up on your end as well, because I sent you the password to our email a while back, but I'm sure you forgot it or lost it. Uh, um, so the second question, if you received an invitation to Harvard, would you ma- what would you major in? Or would you even accept an invitation? Ooh. So assuming that we it was completely paid for and we weren't going to have to sell our children off to uh, mm-hmm. afford it. Yeah. Um, Assum- we're assuming like a full-ride scholarship to Harvard. Yeah, yeah, assuming that. Um that's a good question. I don't I don't know much about Harvard. Is there something that they specialize in? They're just a really good school. I think are they a private school? Yeah, yeah, they're a private Ivy League school. Yeah. So or wait, no, uh wait, I'm looking Harvard here. University. It is a private school, but I'm seeing Oh, that's cost after aid. Yeah. Before aid, $73,000. Yes, we're just assuming that we got a full-ride scholarship. We're just assuming that was worked into your question there. Because, I mean, let's be honest, who has like $73,000 per year to spend on learning? It's only 16000 after aid. Although, supposedly, Biden's going to pay for my college now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about that's... politics, but... That's what I hear. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't even been following any of that stuff. <sighs> All right, so Cambridge. Let's see here. Oh, Cambridge is where it's located. I mean, um, Harvard. Ooh, notable alumni. Mark Zuckerberg. We could become the next uh, Facebook folks. Or not. Ooh, Bill Gates. <laughs> Al Gore. Um, those are all well-known names. Yeah, uh, Matt Damon, famous actor. Natalie Portman, she's in Star Wars. Man, we could be, we could either get become internet people or get into Star Wars. It's a, it's an interesting question because I'm going to school already, and so I attend a small public university in my state. It's about an hour's drive from my house, and it is, it's a pretty good engineering school. It's I'll say the name. It's Missouri or. Yeah, Missouri University of Science and Technology. People just call it Missouri S&T for short. And, University uh, of Missouri. What's that? The University of Missouri. 
Well, so there's, there's, it's not actually the University of Missouri because that's Mizzou. I'm there's, just making a joke about Missouri versus Missouri. Oh yeah, well, because it's in the whole uh, UMMU Missouri University system, but it's 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 the more engineering uh, oriented school as opposed to Mizzou. So I see. I'm glad I'm going to that one. The interesting thing is, would I study anything different if I went to Harvard? And I want to say the answer is no. I mean, so I'm studying computer science, and I certainly enjoy it. And I I do wish my school had slightly better course offerings in that department. I know it's a very rapidly growing department, and so they're they're actively making changes uh, while I'm there. So... That's at least a good sign. But, yeah, I think I would stick with my same degree and just be thrilled to be in a really top Ivy League school. Yeah, I I wonder, because I've heard people talk about this before, how much better is your education actually from going to a top, top-name school like that? Uh, is the, the education better, or is it just that you've got that brand name behind your Yeah, see... <laughs> A lot of it feels like with getting a degree in general is just getting that little bit of text to plop there on your resume so that you get mm-hmm. that extra extra boost when you're applying for jobs and stuff, which kind of feels like that would be another part of going to a big top-name school. But, I mean, I certainly think that they're going to have better professors but I would assume mm. it follows some sort of, uh, well, what's the opposite of exponential? Uh, like a decreasing rate of return. Like I assume once you get into a, a a school that's decent, I would think, I mean, you have to be good to be a professor if you're going to a, well, I shouldn't say that. I know there are some schools that aren't aren't great, but I, I would think that maybe the the return on uh, uh, having a, a good, better professor at a top school might be might go down the more you pay. I don't know. That's mm. actually just a theory, which is kind of what we do here <laughs> on Enthusiastic Witter. So what do I know? Yep. Yeah, I guess uh, I never actually considered going to a top-notch school because uh, financially that was never <laughs> something I would have been able to do. Um, I have just an associate's degree in criminal justice, and uh, I think my uh, education was quite well, well-rounded well and uh, whatnot. I don't know if going to a top-notch school would have changed that any, but I'll tell you, um, if I did go back to school... Because I thought about going back and just finishing that out and for another two years and getting my bachelor's. But I think if I was going to go back to school, I would probably go back for some kind of mechanical engineering degree instead. Just because I really enjoy mechanical engineering type stuff. I don't know that I would necessarily want a job in it. Hmm. Prob- I probably would at some point if uh, my current career path... Yes, uh, ever. I would get a job in it so that all your crying during school will make it worth it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, School's hard, man. Oh, I know. I, I I just look at it as more one of those things like it would just be nice to know the stuff from my own hobbies. Sure, yeah. Just to, you know, I mean, you look at Smarter Every Day, <coughs> you know, the YouTube channel that we bring up all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got just crazy degrees and stuff and he can just build whatever he wants because he knows all the science and math behind it yeah i will i think it'd be fun for that but i i like designing and building like machines and tools and things like that i don't think i would want to get into like uh, building bridges or or buildings and things like that (laughs) civil engineering yeah so as far as the mechanical engineering goes that's the sort of thing that i enjoy yeah I totally had a question, and now it's gone. Well, I was just going to say that uh, if I did go back to school, I don't know if that would be worth it to go to uh, Harvard or, you know, any top-name school, or if it would be better to just go to the local technical college and learn this stuff. Probably, at some point, it's better 
you know, like I would probably want to get maybe a, an associate's degree in some kind of mechanical engineering thing and then go to another school to get, you know, my round up my bachelor's or something like that. I don't know. So here's it's been so long since I've been involved in any college stuff. I don't even know anymore. Must be nice. Hey, I'm I'm in the <laughs> I'm in the final final countdown though now until until school is out. I've got like two weeks from tomorrow. It's huge. Wow. Yes. And you're in the final throws. <laughs> yes, dead week then finals week. Have you? Did you ever call it dead week? Before the no, week before finals, heard. that's what my professors no. call it, and my mom was like confused when I said that too. So I don't know if that's just. Hmm. Maybe it's just my school. They like to kill their students right before finals. Mm, that way they get all your money, but they don't have to give you a grade. Precisely. Or a degree. Uh, jumping back really quick to what you said about Destin understanding things, that's what I've really loved about my physics course this semester. Uh, I just took physics one and this semester, and I'll take physics two next in the spring. And uh, it's out of, like, any class I've taken – like even uh, like everything through high school and I, everything so far at university and my sophomore now, uh, it's been like the most applicable course to the real world. So like I can mm. now look at things and be able to think a little bit better about how uh, like forces act on them and just different mm. different properties and stuff like that, which is really interesting. And uh, in fact, we used it the other day. Uh, we were we were moving a trailer uh, between two garage doors in our outbuilding, and our outbuilding is actually on a slope. And there's a a a uh, like a, like a bump. Uh, trying to think how I can describe this. There's a bump uh, between the the floor of the outbuilding and our driveway. So we had pulled the the trailer out, and uh, because we were on a slope, it started rolling on us not on us but like towards us and we were we were trying to hold it back uh well when we got it repositioned to to bring it in uh we kind of applied some basic physics and and went around to the other side and lifted or not lifted but the but pulled as opposed to pushed over the bump so that we got that extra bit of uh force component uh mm-hmm. to help us going up over the bump so it just like being able to apply little things like that in my life is like really neat yeah. So if I was going to go back to school, which eventually sometime I probably will, at least I think I will, probably I won't actually end up doing it, <laughs> but I would like to. Um, yeah, I would go for some kind of mechanical engineering, and I don't even know how important it is to go to a place like Harvard or not. I, it does it actually mean anything? It seems more like something you'd want, like if you were going to be some lawyer or something like that, you'd want to be able to say, oh yeah, I studied at Harvard. But yeah, and I could almost see like a, some kind of more of a something that fits into to more of art uh, as opposed to just science would be more applicable to having a, a big name like that because the science and the math is going to be the same no matter where you go. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a matter of how well it gets taught to you, but I don't know, like uh, <laughs> just some of the some I, I think some schools are just better suited for teaching specific art type things and having the resources and the the people for that and some of them are you know it's just it's science and it's going to be the same either and no matter where you go yeah yeah and here so here's another another thought so does does harvard so like let's just take any ivy league school but we can say harvard does harvard do you have to be smarter to go to school there or so like so like do they teach anything harder like would would taking classes would those be harder the same class at harvard versus an average school or is it that you just have to be like super smart and do well on your act and sat to actually get into the school and like write a good essay and whatever the 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 uh you know, acceptance requirements are. So is it that you, they're, they're, uh, they're, what's the word? Like they're, what they determine, what they, yeah, their entrance requirements, what they determine makes a good student. Is it just based off like those tests and stuff that, 
you might have to do well on, and they're like, okay, this guy is a smart student, and then he gets into the school. But let's just say you got in without taking those tests. Is it actually going to be harder for you? Because, like you said a minute ago, it's all, at least take general ed courses, I mean, those are all the same, so is the material actually going to be harder? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I remember there was some scandal like last year or something where some famous person ended up bribing some university to get their kid into it or something like that. And apparently there's, I don't know, it seemed like there was a lot of bribery around this one school or all schools. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, I just am curious how much it actually means to employers to have that big name there and how much that actually means to your actual education as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, so uh, to answer the question, we don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. What was uh, so I think we have the effectively question? talked. <laughs> the original question was, um, if you received an invitation to Harvard, what would you major in, or would you even accept the invitation? So to answer the question, I don't know (laughs) i would have to do some actual research i mean if it was a a free ride it completely totally paid for i'm sure i would accept it because why not yeah and um yeah i'd probably major in some kind of mechanical engineering yeah and i just major in my same degree i'm in right now computer science there you go now that we have effectively talked circles around a thing and made it sound like we know what we're talking about (laughs) even though we don't we can probably move on so now something that we should probably bring up before we continue on is we're playing the same game that we did last week where uh-huh. uh, one of us gets a, a pair of words that are uh, outside of something we might use in everyday conversation but not something that's so far out there that it would be hard to guess and then that person uh, has to try to slip them into the conversation somewhere and not be caught so that's Christopher's job this week last week I did it completely successfully or more like I just failed miserably because I wasn't even remembering that we were playing the game. <laughs> yeah, that too. So just a reminder to the uh, the listeners, I don't know if Christopher slipped his in or not already. I'm sure he's probably already forgot about the game, so that's why I'm reminding him. Right. And so just be listening, see if you can figure out what those words are. Uh, it seems like with all of our discussion about a university, you could have slipped it in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, if I had remembered. Really <clears throat> anyway. Just be ready for be ready for those words, and we'll we'll reveal them at the end. So I got to figure out what they are. And an audience um, audience can listen too. They can try to guess these yep. words. And then I would say leave a comment below. Except that this <laughs> isn't a YouTube channel. I don't even know how you leave reviews on on our podcast, or if we can even go read those. We should probably try to do that. We should probably encourage people to leave them. Just because that's, that seems to be the thing for podcasters to do. We might actually get some new listeners that way, or we might scare them off. Who knows? Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you're going to leave a review, please only leave a good one. Or, but who knows? Maybe there are people out there who are just hunting for the worst podcasts to feature on their worst of the worst or something like that. And, you know, if we can get more listeners from that, you, yeah, so be it. You know how, like, Amazon products have, like, tens of thousands of, like, five-star reviews, and then they're, like, you read them, and they're, like, people saying they got sent the product for free and stuff and they sleep like leaving a review because they got it for free. What Mm. if we sent our podcast to people for free and they could leave us a review because they're getting to listen to our podcast for free? Well, the only difference between that and what's actually happening is that we would be sending it to them rather than just (laughs) having to click a button to listen to it because it's already for free. So yeah, you're getting it for free already. Just leave (laughs) us a five star review. We're putting out all this high-quality free content. That's all we yeah. ask, just a review. It's definitely been going up in quality, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Not that it's not that it's anywhere uh, grand, but uh, better than it was. So anyway, you were talking about uh, being able to apply physics stuff. And, uh, you know, as uh, long-time listeners of the show will know, we often talk about our hobbies. You have lately been working on building a medieval-style crossbow. Mm-hmm. So we were discussing uh, stress conflict earlier today stress concentrations and how you're gonna actually work out the bow of it because you might have to just take two limbs from a more modern compound bow and just put those together um you know we've been discussing different options that you might have because it's tough to actually find a bow in that style that would work for you and since you don't have access to like spring steel and stuff that you Mm -hmm. can make it out of what options you're going to take so do you want to give us an update on how that project is going 
Yeah, so first I will say that I don't really know much about stress uh, and like tension and stuff like that. Um, like uh, in this situation, uh, dealing with the, the wood and stuff and the crossbow limbs. So unfortunately I'm not that brilliant, but I do think we can think about some kind of simple aspects of it. So, yeah, so I'm building a medieval crossbow. And so I, cause my job in school too now consists of me just being at my computer all day. I really dislike that. And I, I like to be able to kind of break up the sitting at the computer with doing things uh, <laughs> in real life, so to speak. Uh, not sitting at the computer. So... Uh, that's why I like to take on projects like these. And uh, so, yeah, so I just got, I was looking for something to do uh, with some spare time around Thanksgiving. And uh, I actually don't remember what, what got me started on it. But uh, I've seen medieval crossbows before, uh, illustrations in books, and I thought they looked pretty cool. And so I wanted to go ahead and try making one. And so... When I when I say medieval crossbow, they uh they well you could Google a picture, but they're not like the the key difference is they don't have the the fancy grip that any modern uh, rifle or crossbow has. Uh, so they don't have like a nice nice hand grip and, and trigger. Uh, they they're more more like just a piece of wood with a lever. Uh, they don't look anything too fancy. Uh, but still, still kind of a neat project I want to take on. So, yeah, so I, I've uh, cut out uh, actually a couple different stocks now. Uh, I'm just using some stuff that I have around the house. Like I have some cedar boards, which is, it's soft wood, but I don't want to go buy some new hardwood when this is just kind of an experiment project. Um, I don't have a forge or... Yeah, yes, sorry, a forge. I don't have a forge like you have, uh, which would be super nice, but I don't have <laughs> don't have all that equipment. I do have mm. an, an aluminum foundry, so I'm kind of making this crossbow as more of a, I guess it falls into a movie prop category, where it's more for looks and less for actual practical use. Uh, not that I would ever consider a medieval crossbow to be very useful in today's day, but uh, they're they're neat to look at. So I will be casting uh, all the metal pieces out of aluminum uh, because uh, it still gives it that kind of metal metal look, uh, even though it won't be super strong. So I think I'll, I'll cast a trigger, uh, the nut, which is like. Uh, it's a rotating cylinder where the where you pull the string back to. Uh, I'm gonna cast the stirrup out of aluminum, and what else? I think is that it. Uh, wow, the lever. I said the lever. I guess I I said trigger by mistake. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so we were talking about whether or not the lever would actually be strong enough if it's made out of aluminum. So. Yeah. Well. So that that kind of brings us to the to the bow limbs or i think it's it, i so i got a book on it actually uh it's called the book of the crossbow by ralph Payne, i think Ooh. yeah don't quote me on the author but if you just search the book of the crossbow you'd find it it's a great book um has lots of helpful illustrations and talks about uh some history as well as uh actually giving information about how they were made so i think it's very interesting and um, just kind of a neat one to have in my collection. And uh, so I'm not, so, oh, so I was saying about that, I just get sidetracked all the time. What I was saying about that is that in the book they call it a prod uh, for the bow limbs. I guess that's mm. what they called it in medieval times. Uh, but so it's it's normally one one single piece of steel uh, if you're making one uh, today out of steel, um, I've heard that spring steel uh, that's used on suspension system on vehicles is a great, great kind of steel to use. It's already kind mm -hmm. of in that shape. Um, I think typically you just shape it down a little bit on the ends uh, and then 
that usually works uh, pretty well. I don't really have access to that or a forge, so I am just making this as more of a, a weaker movie prop um, that's more for looks. And so I'm actually, you're giving me some old uh, limbs off a compound bow, which should work. I will have to figure out how I want to attach them in the center because, of course, they attach to the, the, the grip or the handle on the compound bow. So, Yeah, the riser. Yeah. It would normally bolt to the riser. So the problem is, do you create a new riser that's smaller and then chop the ends of the limbs off so that they're shorter? Or do you want to try to do a scarf joint and glue them together and bolt them together? Or what uh, What exactly do you want to do there? That's the kind of the dilemma. Yeah, I. <laughs> this has definitely been the biggest hang-up for me. And uh, <laughs> this project I had originally started because I thought I could do it in, a, in uh, nine days, uh, which was the time of my break. And... Um, of course, I uh, ran way over time. I have, like, barely anything done. I have only the stock done, really, uh, as well as some templates made. Uh, and, of course, I'm way past my nine days. I was actually... A hang-up for me has been... Another hang-up has been uh, finding some materials uh, and, and tools to get my aluminum foundry back up and running. I built one several years ago and mounted down a whole bunch of cans into some aluminum ingots and uh, had those and just never had a project to use them on. Uh, but now I do want to make stuff with aluminum. And so I've been trying to get the, the foundry up and running and I just need to find some, uh, either something to use for tongs or if I can't find anything, I'll probably have to purchase some actual uh, foundry tongs. They're used to lift the crucible out of the foundry when you're pouring it. So... So you don't burn your little fingers? Yeah. So that's... On the molten metal? Yeah. Although, just before this podcast, we were talking about something really interesting about uh, how the molten metal uh, won't won't actually burn your hand if it's wet, right? If it's a real short exposure yeah. due to the laden frost effect because sweat or moisture on your hand will cause steam between you and the metal which will prevent you from touching it directly for very brief exposures i only brought it up because i saw a video of a guy who took his hand and swung it right through a, a stream of molten metal at a foundry and just because of the laden frost effect uh, it protected his hand obviously that's only for very very short exposures. we are not so recommending that you try this at home yes also <laughs> don't try this at home but yeah that's what that's why i brought that up yeah i so i also have to figure out the casting method I'm going to use. So there's there's actually quite a few different casting methods, and I'll just list them off here because I've been trying to read about these and figure out the best for my application. But the first one is uh, doing a sand casting using lost foam. Uh, and so the lost foam method is you, uh, you, you design your shape that you want to cast out of foam. And there... I don't know the names of the foams off the top of my head, uh, but I think you do want to be careful because if you use the wrong one, they could uh, put off some bad vapors that you don't want to breathe in. But if you, I'm using either that white expanded polystyrene uh, that you get in like a like a disposable cooler, or uh, the foam that's in Dollar Tree foam board. If you peel off the paper on both sides, uh, you can layer that stuff up to cut some neat three-dimensional objects. So I've, I've been trying, uh, making some designs with those and the, the foam is difficult to get smooth. That's been my challenge. And it's mm. also, uh, a little sad in that it's a one use only. And, you know, I modeled this out of foam and then what if my casting fails? Then, I've lost all that hard work and I, I'll have to make a new one. There's also, there's a few more methods. Uh, I read about a lost wax method as well as a lost PLA method. Um, hmm. PLA is 3D printer filament. Uh, and so for both lost wax and lost PLA, you can, uh, essentially what you do is you model 
you create your model either on the 3D printer or uh, with wax. And uh, then you then you uh, put that into a a a plaster mold. I think I think you can use ordinary plaster of Paris for that, uh, as long as it's dried out well. Um, and you essentially let it cure with the mold or with the, uh, the the object inside. And then what you do is you burn out either the PLA or the wax. The PLA has a pretty low melting point. It's like 400 degrees. Um, and so, you know, if you have a foundry, you can just put over the foundry and then put something under it to catch the the plastic as it drips out. And same for the wax. So then it just leaves your mold exposed and ready to pour in the the aluminum. And that method seems great. Uh, I think you can get pretty good resolution with that because uh, the plaster is very fine. The only uh, thing I disliked about that was the fact that uh, the plaster is not reusable. So you make your mold once and you're more likely to get a really good one as opposed to the lost foam method, but it isn't reusable. So there's one other method that I'm interested in trying, and that's with green sand. So is green sand like the green milk from Star Wars? Green milk is in Star Wars? Well, I know they have blue milk, and then I've heard that there's green milk at the uh, ride in Disneyland slash world. I don't know. So I assumed it was in some of the newer movies. Hmm. Anyway, I'm I'm assuming they're not related. I I typically don't focus on the color of milk when I watch movies. Uh, But, you know, if you do, that's fine. Uh, However, green sand is not related. It does not come from a cow. Uh, So what green sand is, it's like a mixture of uh, like regular fine sand. And I think it's got some clay in there and then some oil, uh, which helps hold it together as opposed to uh, water and Mm. so the the thing is with the green sand is you make a you have two halves of your mold right and or not sorry not your mold you have two halves of uh the uh, (laughs) what are they called it would be a mold because you would just you'd cast the sand around your your model, right? And then you would... I I think there's a different term for it, but it's just a uh, two halves of a box, really, that you put the sand into, mm-hmm. and then you put your object in there, which does create a mold in the sand, in the green sand. Mm-hmm. So you have two halves. You have, of course, to your model has to uh, not have any... It has to be able to split into two halves, well Mm -hmm. and you'd be able to pull those halves out without damaging the sand if you did have a really (coughs) complex three-dimensional shape uh that you couldn't pull two halves away cleanly then you would have to go for like lost wax or lost pla or something uh to Mm. cast something like that but if it's an easier shape then you can definitely use green sand and so what you do is you pack it packing is really important uh getting it really tight around there but you make the two halves, you put your object right there in the center. You uh, usually use like some, I think they use like baby powder, talcum tel- powder to keep it the two halves mm-hmm. from sticking. And uh, you pack it really well. And then uh, when you pull the two halves apart, uh, it's literally just the sand holding itself together. And it seems to produce pretty great results. Um, the downside, yes, your mold does get destroyed, but... Um, you get you get to reuse the sand, so that's kind of an upside as opposed to doing like a, a plaster cast. Plus, you don't have to bake anything out, and so typically you'll just pour put a uh, create a channel uh, into your mold, um, and then a like a pour spout, and then typically you also have vents uh, so that um, any air and gases can get out the other side, uh, and also mm. kind of helps tell you when your mold is full. Because uh, you know it flowed through the entire thing, and really mm-hmm. the only uh, only special thing to note about this way of casting that I've read is it's good to design your pour channel so that the molten metal doesn't flow in too quickly, uh, because the sand mm. you don't want the sand to get 
essentially knocked by the metal. Um, yeah. So just design your channel so that uh, even if you're pouring the metal in vertically, uh, maybe create a little cavity down there so that it can kind of fill up and then gently uh, go into the into the rest of the mold. So that's the method I'm interested in trying. Of course, I have to get some green sand. I've heard you can make it. Um, and I've seen several different recipes, uh, which I might follow depending if I can, how much the cost of green sand is. The problem is that you have to do something called mulling. I believe that's the word, uh, which looks, look to be quite a process. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I still don't fully know what's involved with that. Um, cause this is kind of my latest, uh, some of my latest research I've been doing. Um, but I think it sounds like the method that I want to try and uh, should hopefully re- uh, yield some pretty nice uh, aluminum parts. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, I will... I think that's all I have left. I have to to make some bolts um, still, which are, of course, they're arrows for a crossbow. Um I'll probably, you know, I was thinking, uh, so I have to, for the bolts, I have to make uh, kind of three parts. I have to make the the shaft, the heads, and the fletching. The fletching, I was watching a video, and it seemed like the wood was a lot more commonly used because they lasted a whole lot longer than the feathers. So mm. even though I'm not, I don't need my, my bolts to be good for another 500 years i still would still would like to try making some ones with wood fletching uh the the uh the shaft you you were telling me an interesting method for creating my own uh shafts as opposed to buying like a dowel do you want Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that yeah just uh the using a draw plate so you'd start off with just a plate of metal usually i think they're around a quarter inch thick usually and you just drill a series of holes, uh, starting pretty large and then getting smaller and smaller down to the size uh, diameter that you want. And then you just uh, cut some squares of uh, wood y- on your table saw. Or uh, there's other methods for, for getting the wood that they used in olden days. Um, but, you know, us having all our fancy tools, probably just use a table saw, cut ourselves in the square, mm-hmm. dowels, so to speak. And then you just get it started through that hole, you know, tap it through, and then you can just grab it and then pull it through the hole. And that'll slowly shave off the corners, and you just go smaller and smaller holes, so you're not trying to do it all at once, until it gets shaved down to the small round size that you're looking for. And then, of course, you want to pull it through instead of pushing it, so that way it's always, you're always pulling against wherever the, the pressure is, rather than trying to push it where it can get off center and go all crooked on you. Yeah. And then I was recently thinking that for the, now I've seen, for, so for the arrow heads, the bolt heads, uh, mm-hmm. I've seen videos on how those are actually forged out of steel. And I was thinking, well, I could I could just cast those out of aluminum. But then I was like, I know this is kind of more of a movie prop, but I also do you want it to function just a little bit? And I'm worried that the aluminum would be f- too light to actually make the bolt mm. fly straight. Yeah, it depends on how much uh, pressure is behind your... Yeah, how much how much tension you actually end up putting in your string Yeah, uh, when you decide what to do with your bow limbs or your prod, as it's called. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that all plays in. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think from when I've done archery in the past, what the weight of the actual tips was. They were always steel, but I think that's just for durability and because it's cheap, so... At least for the broadheads. Um, or, I'm sorry, for the practice round, practice tips. The broadheads I've seen with aluminum body and then steel blades, but it still comes out to be the mm-hmm. same weight, but I can't think what the weight is right now, so... Yeah, hard to say. And th- And those are for crossbow bolts? No, no, for just a regular compound okay. bow. I guess, uh, would they be different for a crossbow bolt? Because the entire bolt is shorter than an arrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really all I know about the difference is this, that it's shorter. Hmm. I figure I could probably make the... 
the head, I guess it's still called an arrowhead, right? I can make that larger and longer, I suppose, if I needed to add more weight up there. And mm. I don't know. I, I don't know the best way to figure out how much my my mold will actually weigh after it's casted. Maybe that's just going to be trial and error. Uh, I suppose I could do some kind of volume displacement thing, take my take my shape and then put it in water, see how much it displaces, and then figure out the the weight of aluminum. Yeah, take all your uh, your school training and apply, <laughs> apply the, it to uh, the real world. To figure it out. I also need to uh, figure out a way to attach the heads, or yeah, the arrowheads, so they don't come off and get lost in the grass. So I have to recast them because uh, mm. I <laughs> I don't want to do a whole bunch of recasting just because it's pretty involved, and uh, I don't because so the steel ones. They they are forged with a hole. I suppose I could cast them with the hole, but that seems really small. So maybe I'd just be best to try to drill them out. Maybe I'll finally have to go buy a drill press. <laughs> there you go. Perfect excuse. That's why it's always good to come up with a new project so you can have a good reason to buy new tools. Um, I think you're going to find it hard to try to drill down the center and have it thin enough, though. Because, uh, like, I've tried to drill out, like, uh, a 3 8 inch bolt and tried to drill it out and tap the center for a quarter 20 bolt just uh, to step the size up or down if I already had a, a hole that was pre-threaded. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. And um, it's nearly impossible, even with a drill press, to try to get it all lined up straight enough mm. that you can drill through the center and uh, not come out the side. Welp. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> and not to shoot down your idea, but I think it's going to be uh, harder than you might imagine it to be. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if you could just get some regular practice tips and make them screw into your wood in such a way that they look authentic. I, and then they look like they're going into I the wood. I could. I've just been wanting to do everything myself by hand. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. Part of it is just like the me getting to experiment and figure out what works. So it's not mm. not knowing how something is going to work isn't necessarily a problem since I guess that's kind of the goal of the project is just to get to experiment with something I've not tried before and kind of learn more about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the reason I do a lot of the projects that I do just for the fun of uh, learning new processes and techniques. Yeah. So we had discussed that at some point you're going to potentially um, antique the metal or, or make it oh, uh, yeah. make it look older. Mm-hmm. Have you come up with any ideas for that, or is that something we should save for another? Well, I I I looked up a whole bunch of YouTube videos. I you sent me the one, and then I just kept on looking up stuff, and mm-hmm. there seemed to be a whole bunch of different finishes, and uh, they make like different. Uh, finishes you can buy for aluminum as well as uh, some of the DIY methods and you know I I want it to look more like steel because you know we're thinking about this almost like a movie prop right I just want it to look the part Mm. uh, because I can't make it uh, to the full realistic extent Uh, but nothing really gave the the steel look that I kind of wanted so I was thinking um, if I can't come up with anything that I like, because of course I'm going to test this first, see and try to see what I, you know, it'll look different in real life than on a video. Uh, If I can't come up with anything, I'm just thinking like a really, like a a glossy black, because that's what I imagine. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I don't know where I get this. Well, that method... The method that I told you about with where you heat it up to a specific temperature and then you rub oil on it, that's used on steel. And so if you could get that to work with aluminum, that would uh, make it look pretty authentic, I think. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't think it would. I, I don't think I've looked up a video precisely on this or any anything else on the Internet. But I, just, aluminum is so much lighter. Like steel, when you're done mm-hmm. forging, it's already black unless you polish yeah. it up. So I... I don't know. It's uh, definitely something I will experiment with, and if I can get good results, um, 
I think it'd be really cool, and then I'd love to try casting uh, more things out of aluminum too. Uh, maybe make more movie props and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And then at some point, maybe we can get together and actually film some stuff. There you go. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to cover with that uh, project? No, I, I think that's it. That's been my fun uh, project of the week, which is <laughs> turning out to be a lot longer than a week. But that is how every mm. good project goes. And uh, yep. in a month or two, I will most certainly be on to something different. Oh, of course. Gotta keep the idea train rolling. Yep. So anyway, um, I haven't been working on very much myself. Mm-hmm. Been working a lot. Um, got my hot tub up and running, so that's kind of been nice, especially with this cold I got going on, just to kind of heat the body up and relieve those aches and pains. Yep. I promise it's not the Rona. I know you were trying <laughs> to tell me earlier that it is, but uh, I don't have any of the symptoms of the Rona. Right. So it's just uh, just your classic old cold. Yep. But anyway, um, the one project I have been working on is uh, just a little black backstory. At work, we have uh, radios in our cars. I won't specifically say what my job is, but I uh, do a lot of driving over the road stuff. Uh, we'll say maybe public relations, <laughs> and I do a lot of driving. And uh, we have radios, just like you would have... Uh, in like a semi or something like that so we can talk to our control center and we have the, the little you know handheld mics you pick it up and you key it and stick it next to your mouth and you you know just like in the class <laughs> like, like you like you see the uh in the movies they do you know the uh, i don't know what the line is uh, break or something something whatever uh, but anyway just that that classic old mic and then it just sticks you know it's got a little button on the back that clips on a little metal hook uh or i should say it's like a little piece of sheet metal that uh, the mic clips into uh-huh. so i saw this genius device that one of my co-workers had gotten he said he got it at a convention years ago uh it's a magnet that goes into onto where the the hook would go and uh it goes on the back of the microphone so you just gotta just plop it down and it sticks right there rather than having to unhook it because when you're trying to drive and talk at the same time and you're trying to watch the road and what you're doing, especially in bad weather and stuff, um, it can be <coughs> excuse me, really annoying. Yeah. <coughs> um, so I've been I now I could have just gone and bought this product for thirty five bucks, but uh, me being a poor fellow like I am, decided to make it. That's boring. Also, so just buying it. <coughs> yeah, that too. Um, I, part of it's just the fun of making it. Um, so I already have a very powerful neodymium magnet that I found. Um, it was used to be used to mount a, uh, control panel to a piece of equipment. And so it's already got the hole drilled, or I shouldn't say drilled. It's, it's got a, like a metal mount around it with a hole in the center that's countersunk for a, uh, bolt. Uh-huh. So that'd be perfect. So I had to come up with a little button that matches the same kind that's on the back of the microphone. So I could just mount the, uh the magnet straight to the hook rather than having to take the hook off and screw a different plate down like like the guy that I saw his version had. So I got a stainless steel carriage bolt and uh, I think this was a half 13 that I got and drilled it out for a quarter 20 mm-hmm. uh, bolt and chucked it up in the drill press and actually I took an angle grinder to it first to kind of flatten it out and get to the rough dimensions that I needed making sure it was still round and all that. And then I stuck it in the drill press and uh, kind of used that like a makeshift makeshift lathe to kind of uh, cut it down to the size and shape that I needed uh-huh. with a hand file. And then I took some sandpaper and polished it up and uh, made it look real nice and fancy. And it's got that hole in the middle. And then, you know, carriage bolts have that little square bit that comes down from the bottom of the head. Usually for like if you're using them on wood, that'll sink in and give it something to grip on so that it doesn't just freely turn while you're trying to tighten your bolt down. Uh-huh. That slides into the notch perfectly on the hook. I just rounded one side, so I made myself a nice little professional-looking button there. The hole somehow ended up being off-center and at a weird angle, but uh, I have a plastic spacer that's going to go in between that and the uh, magnet, so I think that will crush down a little bit and take up some of that, and you'll never notice it because you're looking at it from the top. 
And then for the microphone half, that's been a little bit more challenging because I had to make something that slides over that button, but it's got kind of a wide base of metal that'll stick to the magnet. Can't make it out of stainless steel because stainless steel is not uh, very magnetic. And now I do have some old uh, utensils from a restaurant that I used to work at. They were throwing away that are stainless steel that do stick. They were blades from spatulas, and they're they're pretty magnetic, so I wonder if there's a higher steel concentration in those. I thought about that. Unfortunate thing is that the metal tapers down, so I can't get a good flat piece out of it. So I was looking around for uh, metal discs, because I don't have a lathe yet, because uh, I need to get with the program, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> you just, I have a wood lathe. Just not a metal, metal lathe. Okay, yeah, just not a metal lathe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I found at the uh, the hardware store that we usually go to, Menards, um, which I guess they're only mostly in the Midwest, so if you're not here, you may not know about them, but... Hmm. Um, I found these uh, diamond grinding wheels, so they're just a, it's a metal wheel, and it's got crushed diamonds glued to the outside, and let me tell you, those things are pretty tough, I uh, was always skeptical of that sort of stuff, because I figured the diamonds would just break out of the glue, and you'd lose them, and then they wouldn't be that effective anyway for grinding, but uh, I took this thing to the grinder, so it needed to be a little bit smaller than it was, so I took it to my actual grinder to try to turn it down, and just, as I, I chucked it up in the drill, and was turning it while holding it against the grinder so that it would grind down evenly on all sides, but I was having just the hardest time trying to get through that layer of diamonds because it was just wearing away at my grinding wheel. Finally, I was able to apply enough stress on the corner that I could get that to wear away and then get into the steel, and then that would start peeling away underneath the diamonds, and I was able to finally get it cut down. Problem was, I have to then carve a groove in the back of this steel. It's probably, oh, what is it? 10, 15 millimeters wide. No, probably more than 10. Probably 15 millimeters wide. Um, and about 2 millimeters deep. One and a half okay. to two deep. And I don't have a milling machine because I'm still trying to find one of those as well. So I had to actually cut this groove into this flat surface of metal by hand. So I ended up using my drill press. And drilling a whole bunch of little holes that were the right depth. I know what that's and like. Then, and then I went in with my Dremel and ground out as much as I could. And then I had to go into the hand file and file out the rest of it and get everything nice, square, and straight. I did a test fit up the other day at work, and uh, it didn't fit properly. It was just it was just a hair too shallow. Huh. So I had to go in and redrill all those holes just a little deeper and then refile everything last night. And then at some point, I need to make a spot welder so that I can weld a piece of, um, I have just a stainless washer that's cut out correctly to fit underneath that button. And I need to weld that to the, the top steel plate that I have. So I'm probably going to try to build a spot welder. Um, if not, I do have a cheap MIG welder that I can use. Um, I may just try to take the power straight off of the MIG welder and use that uh, on a spot welder set up and see if that works but that'll be a podcast for another day um tune in next time for so the yeah, welding just, episode <laughs> <laughs> well i wouldn't say it just next time necessarily but at some point maybe um so i need to, to weld that plate that thin you know washer thin plate to the the larger plate and these are probably inch and three quarters across um and then I just need to finish everything up. That will then slide over the button on the back of the mic. And I have to fill in the existing hole on that grinding wheel, the metal grinding wheel that I cut down, and drill and tap it to take a quarter 20 set screw. And then that's what will apply pressure to that button to hold that metal plate in place. And then I'll probably end up uh, powder coating it I'd like black or something that's not too noticeable, that looks decent. Um so that it doesn't end up rusting or something on me on a humid day. So that's what I've been working on lately, just a lot of hand filing and grinding and drilling. Nothing too exciting. Oh, super exciting. That's cool. All right. Well, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Uh, well, I think that that's it for the content, but I think you got to tell me what the two words were that I snuck in. Uh, see, the question I was going <laughs> to say is, did you remember to sneak them in? Because oh, I didn't pick them up. Oh, yes, I did. 
Oh, yeah? Okay, what were they? Okay. Well, now, since you didn't pick them up, which I I think I got pretty lucky in being able to sneak them in. So, I I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned that you're going to think these were too... Uh, these weren't strange enough words. Or... or uh, uncommon that we would say on the podcast so and you got them from your family i did yes i think another method we could use is just take a dictionary and randomly open it to a page and then put your finger down on a on a word i think that could be real difficult though yeah well (laughs) that'll be that'll be level two i think well i think maybe this we each did one at level one i think we need to step it up to level two because this is not or, or wait are you saying the dictionary would be easier or harder harder there would be some real obscure words in there. For the person slipping them in? Yeah, to try to slip them in without getting well, caught. And to try to actually put them into everyday conversation. Well, we now have two episodes where neither of us caught them. So I do think we need yeah, to make it harder. Yeah. I did already get some words for the next episode, though, which I think are pretty good. At least the one of them is pretty good. So, so I pulled two words from two different family members. Or, I'm sorry, one word from, from each. To hopefully get a variety. So the first word was politics. You remember when I okay. used that one? Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. that. That slipped in there very good. Yeah. Very well. It, it was totally, totally unexpected. I was... It just kind of hit me because I had the words open on my computer here. And I it just kind of hit me that I could use it there. The second one, which I'm worried was not a good word, was grass Hmm. and uh, the reason i do remember you slipping that in yeah the reason i went with that was because kind of one of my conditions has been well it's got to be a word that i've never said before on the podcast and Hmm. i honestly don't think i've ever said the word grass before and this was harder than the politics one for me because i thought i'd be able to come up with politics easily enough well, not easy, but, like, yeah. I thought I'd be able to get it in there. But grass, I didn't know how I was going to put that in. But I said that about losing the arrowheads in the grass and not wanting to recast some. There you go. Perfect. I don't know. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to send us some words to try to slip in, maybe title your email specifically to one or the other of us. Uh, they have to be some... Maybe we shouldn't open this up to just the general public. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have to be words <laughs> that uh, would be appropriate on the podcast. Words that we wouldn't use in everyday conversation. Uh-huh. and uh, But they have to be something that's not so far out there that it would be easy for the other person to guess. And Or you could just send us an email with some questions. You could do that, too. And? And I was going to add about the words. They also have to be stranger words than what we've each used. So you used cactus and thigh. <laughs> I use politics and grass, and it's apparently we haven't gotten it yet. So either we're both just experts at slipping these into our dialogue, or we just need to come up with some harder words. I tell you, Vi gave me a run for my money trying to slip that in there. Yeah, yeah, you did good. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, tune in next time for a more enthusiastic winner. I typically don't focus on the color of milk when I watch movies.